Howdy, folks. Happy Tuesday. Uh, you know, we have we probably are going to have a guest today. Uh, waiting for him to come in. Uh, but while we're waiting, uh, Russ will start us off with the pre-show. Go ahead, Russ. So I want to just talk about how the NFL is pretty bizarre in um, their practices. You know, Miami Dolphins have a pretty good year. They fire their coach. The Jets have a terrible year. The 32nd ranked defense, so you can't do any worse. They keep their defensive coordinator. Like, it's like you can't even – there's not even an argument where you could say they look better. Look, they look good for two and a half quarters against the Bills, but then they collapsed like yeah. the offensive line too. And I think it was I think it was more the Bills being – It was a lot of that. Yeah. No question. And so it's like how do you go to your boss, assuming your boss cares, and I'm not sure the Jets does, but how do you go to your boss and say – well, we were 32nd this year, but I saw progress. <laughs> How do you do that? I, I don't know. And and the, the one firing that puzzled me uh, in the NFL was Flo, was Flores in Miami. He had two yeah. years. I mean, he was dealing with the fact that they drafted a quarterback that nobody thinks that they're going to have next year. I mean, a lot of people think they're going to end up trading Tua or going after Deshaun Watson or getting right. it on Rodgers or whoever. Um, so he was able, and their defense was good. And he was, I, I don't think he made like any Adam Gase type of like bang against your head. moves, no. you know, uh, and he was really good against new England against his former team. Um, and I think they won regularly against the Jets, the only team they didn't beat in the division. I think they lost like all, f- I think they lost five or six games against Buffalo over the last, yeah, they, they won like funky says eight of their last nine. Yeah. Whereas the Jets, they didn't even beat a divisional opponent this year. <laughs> so it's like, yeah. what are we talking about here? Well, I mean, okay. I mean, the Nagy firing in Chicago. No, but that makes sense. Like he, That was deserved. Uh, the the uh, uh, Vic Fangio firing in, uh, in Denver, okay. That's fine. Uh, He's a nondescript coach anyhow. Yeah. Um, now, who was it? Did Minnesota, Minnesota fire their coach? I don't know. I yeah, was, that, was that the only three? I mean, the one that the one that everybody's having a stroke over is is the Giants not firing Joe Judge. Joe Judge, but they fired. Uh, oh, Gettle, Gettle, yeah. Gettle, Gettleman retired. Gettleman. I, oh, you know, retired. Honestly, no fan base deserves to suck more than the New York Giants. Yeah, Mike Zimmer got fired from the Vikings. Okay, there you go. And 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 Spielman, too. So I think that's it. I think it's four. But I think they probably told Gettleman, you're done. So if you want to retire, we won't right. fire you. Well, they, it's been rumored that he was going to retire for like six weeks. But right. but but they but you know they they haven't fired Judge. I know a lot of the media are crying for them to fire him. Um, you know, he I, they don't want the reputation of like firing a coach after two years, but honestly, they're they're a train wreck. And like I said, you know, no no organization deserves to suck longer more than the Giants after you know the Super Bowls that they won against Denver and the Bills. Yeah, and sure. No, I listen. I get that. I, I don't have anything against the Giants, but I understand why you would. Yeah, that makes sense. But here's what I would say though: what I don't like is from the New York media kind of saying like, "Well, at least the Jets have a plan." They're doing better. They're not the Giants. And it's like, that doesn't mean the Jets are doing well either. No, it, it, they're it, not the Giants. The, the Jets' best friend this year was the fact that the Giants sucked more. Yeah. And, and that Sala is at least good with the media. 
And, you know, they, they saw some still have questions about him as a coach, right? That they saw some progress out of Wilson at the end of the year. I mean, honestly, I felt sorry for the kid against Buffalo. He got sacked eight times. I'm like, could you get this kid an offensive line before he gets killed? Right. So let's talk about the biggest Bobemeister though. That's going around right now in this, especially in this neck of the woods where people feel like there's, you know, the Eagles, we know the Buccaneers are good and they're not what they used to be. And we know Tom Brady has won all these Super Bowls, but he's old and he's not what he used to be, even though he threw five touchdowns last week, right? And so we think we could beat the, you know, the Buccaneers at home. And I'm thinking, you barely beat any good teams. You lost to the Giants. You lost a lot of bad games. And I don't know where this confidence is coming from. And let's just go down the list. Like, my feeling is, the only way you beat Tom Brady is you sack him seven or eight times, you injure him, or there's a miraculous play. Eagles, miraculous play. Giants, miraculous play. Uh, I don't think the Jets did injure Brady, but I do think they had him sacked like five or six times when Sanchez won. Um, and one and of his the, rare playoff and, losses. And the Giants put tons of pressure on him in the two Super Bowl losses. So yeah. and he now he benefited from a fantastic play when uh, it was a Malcolm Butler made that interception yeah. uh, in, in the one game. But yeah, no, I mean, I, I, I honestly I don't think the I don't think the Eagles have much of a chance against Brady. We'll talk about bet on it. If, yeah. if there's anything I can do for you as a friend or someone who's broadcasting for you, do don't not bet that game. Do not bet the Eagles. I'm sorry. Yeah, I wouldn't and, bet uh, either, but I wouldn't bet the Eagles. That's for right. sure. Right. And Timothy, Timothy in the chat said, "Do you think anybody will hire Brian Dable, who's the uh, Bills' offensive coordinator, as a coach?" I, I think. Will, yeah. I think he's going to be in the mix, but there's there's only there's only four openings. But so he'll get an interview. He'll, so he'll be in the interview. So will their defensive coordinator. There's a lot a lot of people who are going to get interviewed. I just I, okay. I did not watch it, but after watching a couple episodes of NCIS last night, I was flipping through the channels and I caught the fourth quarter of the uh, of the Alabama Georgia game. I didn't there, watch any of it. Right, there was no sporting event that I care less about than college football. But when I saw it, it was when I saw it was a tight game. As we bring Joe Yurden onto the show, hey Joe, we're live. Hi there. Um, Joe, I was I was saying to Russ, like I, I purposely because I don't really care about college football that much. I purposely avoided the uh, Alabama Georgia game. Uh, I was watching something until like about 11, 11, 15, and then I'm flipping around and it's on and it's a tight game. And as soon as I saw that it was a tight game, I'm like, go Georgia! I hate <laughs> Alabama with a passion. And from what I, from what I've heard, and this this is typical Alabama. What and the favoritism that I think they get. I saw it on ESPN this morning. In the first quarter, one of the first plays of the game, the a Georgia defensive lineman hits the the Alabama quarterback. He fumbles the ball. It's picked up. It goes for a touchdown. They review it. They see his arm was in motion, and they called it no touchdown. Fourth quarter, same play, same type of play. Uh, defensive end is going after the Georgia quarterback. He throws the ball. It comes out, they give it to Alabama. I mean, it's unbelievable. Like the teams like this that they get those calls. Now, thankfully, Georgia came back and won. And I loved the sour look on Nick Saban's face. Oh, you have to just live with fifteen million dollars a year. Sorry. I uh I got a I got a bit of a different perspective on it because I've gotten 
a bit of a view of UGA fans over the years, especially the football fans. Not, it doesn't really happen so much with their with basketball or or anything else, but their football fans are rabid beyond the pale. They're <laughs> imagine uh, imagine Bama fans, but without all the titles i think that's that's pretty much what you can chalk up uga fans to be um i mean you know hey good for them first time in 40 years whatever that's 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 always fun to break a streak i didn't like hearing a lot about the atlanta braves after the fact though get yeah. out of the braves talk please. i'm glad i didn't watch that would have sure, yeah. I'm, I'm sure i'm sure herschel walker was walking around that arena trying to drum up uh drum up a support for his senate <laughs> this year but yeah, I mean, yeah. It makes a lot of sense to do that in Indiana, you know. Well, that's, no that's where, he's, that's where he's campaigning <laughs> <laughs> with the boosters. He's looking for cash. Yeah, right. I, I don't. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> yeah, no, no. It's so. Yeah, I think it was the first national championship since since Herschel Walker. I think it was eighty one or eighty two. But anyway, mm. okay. All right, let's get started. Hello, hockey world. Today is. Tuesday, January eleventh. So, Russ, I, I'm sorry, Mike. Why don't you just use a wristband? Tuesday, January 11th, 2022. <laughs> I'm Russ Cohen from Sportsology. And I'm Michael Agello, and this is the Hockey Buzzcast here on HockeyBuzz.com. And as I said, I'm pleased. We are pleased to welcome Joe Yurden on the Did show. you look as confused as the Bills offense did against the Jets? Uh, yeah, thanks. Thank you. <laughs> Joe, that's the last crack you can get because his team – is is in dormancy until September, while the Bills have another week until they lose to New England. Um, Although I should say that dormant Jets have been in dormancy for a few years. Yeah, <laughs> I didn't say this on the pre-show, but um, I was a big Don Maynard fan. So I was sad to see him. Yeah, pass away. He, I met him once. Super nice guy. He he didn't even like the fact that I was showering him with accolades, but he was the first receiver in the NFL to get ten thousand yards. A pretty uh, amazing feat. So anyhow, yeah. yes, great, great player. Um, okay, let's start with this. Um, Ken Holland, the general manager of the Edmonton Oilers, held court today with the Edmonton media, and in my mind, Joe, I don't know if you saw it, said mm -hmm. absolutely nothing because, you know, he, the media is rabid in Edmonton <clears throat> right now. The fans mm -hmm. are equally as rabid. They have lost eleven of their last thirteen. Um, gee, Ken, uh, Ken Holland. I don't know how many times – I wish I had a dollar for every time he said, well, we were first overall in December. He said that four or five times. Yikes. Um, and I'm like, okay, nobody cares that you were first overall in December. They care where you are now, and your team mm -hmm. is in chaos. Um, but he basically said, you know, our solutions are internal, um, you know, that, you know, he's not going to fire the coach, and he's not going to make any trades, at least not right now. He's not going to trade his first-round pick. I mean – Joe, what was the purpose of the press conference? I don't know. He said he didn't break any news. He didn't say anything. I sometimes you need to have a press conference like that to, to take the temperature down a little bit. I, you know, being familiar with how things have gone in Buffalo the last <laughs> ten years, the uh, the number of times that we've had to have uh, either Jason Bottrell or uh, Tim, Murray. Tim Murray have to come out and and discuss things, you know, in the midst of a of a giant losing streak. It even Kevin Adams had to do it last year while yeah. they were in the, in the process of losing 18 in a row so i mean it it you have to do it sometimes because when the fans are screaming and it, it like somebody's got to talk about this you know the coach coach is only gonna say so much and dave tippett's not a he's not a verbose guy he's not no. gonna, he's not gonna tell you a lot unless he's really pissed but you know in, in this case 
you, you got to say something. I, I think everybody was anticipating there to be a firing today or a signing or a trade or something uh, with Holland speaking, but that's not how Ken Holland rolls with stuff. Like that's, that's not the way he really operates. So, yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's really frustrating for the fans, but I mean, I'm kind of of the mind that the Oilers having this kind of lack of success isn't all that surprising because they've got two guys and they got nobody else. Yeah, I mean they have some things, but I get what you're saying. The, the sense of that is still is still true. Um, he did talk about second chances, a reclamation project. So clearly, well, I'll, I'll, bring, I'll bring that up in a second because I was going to yeah. lead into that. But, but yeah, so clearly that's that's a thing where he was warming everybody up for that one. Um, I do think the one thing he did that was good was it does seem like Ken Holland may be in the game longer than we think, and he's not going to trade the house and try and ruin the future because he knows yeah. that assets aren't as great as they used to be in that organization. And they do kind of need some of their youth to, to fill the coffers there with different positions. So I think, I think in the end, that was a good thing. Well, th this is the thing, because I know Elliot Friedman talked about this uh, a few weeks back when they were on a roll and they were doing well, he said, you know, if they needed a goaltender or a defenseman or whatever, they would be open to trading their first round pick. Now in the last week, Friedman is getting, you know, taking the temperature of the Oilers and trading their first is off the table right now. Well, you know right. why? Because their pick is in probably in the teens right now. Right. And if they finish mm -hmm. out of the playoffs, it's going to be in the top 12 or 13. So of course it's off the table, but that, Joe, when I, when I look at this team and I, I mean, I agree, I've been saying forever that it's, you know, you've got that core group that, you know, I think they paid way too much for Darn Darnell Nurse, but I think he's a good defenseman. I don't think their defense is very good. You know, they bring in an old uh, Duncan Keith. I think Bouchard is a good young defenseman. And and you spend five and a half million dollars on Zach Hyman. And I love Zach Hyman. He's a great he's a great player. But that's not where you needed to spend the five and a half million. You needed to spend that on a goaltender. And all he did during this press conference was say, well, Koski and uh, and Mike Smith have been good at times. I mean, nobody wants to hear that. They suck. Mm. They're terrible. Yeah. No, I, 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 I will say I'll give Koskinen a little bit of a break. You know, I, I like that he kind of sounded off to the, to a, yeah. a Finnish reporter saying, you know, yeah, I've lost I've lost seven in a row or whatever it is, but I, you know, they or lost six in a row and they scored seven goals for me in those you know those games. Like, yeah, not much you can do about that if the team's not scoring for you. But you know, they 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 they. They, they took a big gamble and bringing Smith back because Smith did have a good season last year. Yes. And yeah. I understand bringing him back, but to bring him back as your number one, you know what you're getting yourself into. You know, Smith has, you know, he'll have injury issues during the season, you know, and I don't know if you're believing that Koskinen is your guy that, that can help supplant that issue as the season goes on. I mean, I guess you have to believe into it because of the, because of his contract, but I mean, GC, I, I don't know how you look at that set up and say yeah no we're set there i don't i don't see how that works because you have so many depth issues throughout the, the entire rest of the lineup i mean yeah getting hyman's a nice signing but i mean you don't have you're not running with a whole lot from lines two through four and even you know even further back with that with their you know with their with their depth and their ahl depth but yeah. it's they're in a they've been in a bad spot for a while they're they look like they're going to stay in a bad spot unless they make a, a trade that could be regrettable later on, but yeah. they're they're in a they're in a very very difficult position because it's 
I think everybody's just kind of waiting for when, not if so much, but like when Connor McDavid's going to say like, all right, that's enough. I, I got to get out of here. Now yeah, I mean, it's definitely coming um, <clears throat> unless they start winning. But, you know, I, I just looked over their, their system again. And honestly, they have one potential a prospect in, in Broberg. And I don't necessarily call him and, an A because I don't think he's a great defenseman. He's, and he's, already, great forward. Up. he's already up for us. So it's like the night. Yeah, I know, but he's played eight games. So we're, you know, I'm just, so we're saying there's him. Holloway's missing a year here. And I like Dylan Holloway, but missing a year for him, that could be really bad. So I, I have to reevaluate him when he's back and see what, just what he looks like. Cause a lost year is not going to look great. Uh, you know, Luca Musenberger actually was pretty good in the little spot of the world juniors that we saw, saw Xavier Borgold's pretty good. Uh, Tulio's pretty good. Lavoie's pretty good, but that's it. Everything that is an A or a B other than, well, if you want to count Broberg is up, I don't know if he's staying up, uh, is up. And that's the problem why they, and that's why they can't trade a one. They can't no. do it. Now, um, as Russ said, yeah, uh, Holland mentioned, um, you know, he's open for players with second, giving players second chances. And of course, that led into the the name Evander Kane. And, you know, Joe, Evander Kane is the gift that keeps on giving because mm-hmm. we, we know from covering him in Buffalo and other people covering him in Atlanta and, and Winnipeg and San Jose, you know, it's all it's it's always a it's sort of a clown car clown show with with Evander Kane and we know about the uh the 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 termination of his contract and the grievance but now you know um I, I think it was uh Pierre Lebrun reported that it was like a dozen teams or a, a a large number of teams that are that are interested in him Gord Miller reported this morning that he believes that Kane will have a contract with somebody by the end of the year it sounds like from what LeBron said, you know, he's open to basically a one-year league minimum deal like uh, like uh, Zach Bogosian took with Tampa just to get back in the league and just to play with a contender. And that's why I, I want to start with this. Edmonton's not a contender right now. I mean, I know that I know that the attractive quality of potentially playing with Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl it, it might be something that excites them, but they're not a contender. Not, not right now, and I don't think – unless they make major changes ever. So to me, I don't know if the Edmonton Evander Kane thing is realistic. Yeah, it's it strikes me as desperation on Edmonton's side. Uh, I think that's pretty clear. There, You know, it, that's an easy route to get some help uh, because, you know, even though Vander might not be the biggest fan of be, being in Edmonton uh, in the depth of winter, but uh, another chance and an opportunity to play next to McDavid or, or Dreisaitl or both yeah. uh, would certainly be very attractive for him because he'll be on the hunt for another, uh, you know, another, you know, multi-year deal after this year. But um, yeah, I, as far as you looking around the league and see, ask, and saying who's a contender, who's not, Edmonton is not one. The yeah. one that I think would be interesting to him is Vegas. Um, and I think that's because with Pacioretty being out for an extended amount of time, the fact that they could bring him in cheap, yeah. that he's got a friend in Jack Eichel there and Robin Leonard. Is um, he a friend in Jack Eichel? Like, yes. 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 Okay. Yes. Yeah. Oh, yes. Yeah, they're, they're good pals. Yes. Um, so that's, so I mean, that's, I don't, I don't know if you're, if you're Jack Eichel, you're saying like, yeah, bring him on in here. He'll, he'll help, he'll help things out here. I don't know if, 
Yeah, the only thing thing I'm worried about, uh, Joe, is that he's going to be staying in the same penthouse that he fanned out that money back in the day. And he doesn't have that money anymore. So what is he going to fan out? Like, you know, know, the interesting thing is, look, Edmonton's still in the race. We can't say they're not in the race because the Kings are only three points ahead of them. Calgary is only sure. But they're not points ahead of them, so they're in the race. They're in they the race are. for the playoffs, but they're not a they're not a cup. No, no, I get it. But again, they're in the race for the playoffs, so we have yeah. to say that. I, I don't think Kane would go there first. No. I I think the Rangers will still have interest. I think Pittsburgh will have interest. I, I think, think even Minnesota will have interest. I think Tampa will have interest. I think Toronto Tampa will have interest. I think you know, um, and, and the thing is, like like I said yesterday, you can you can put the pieces together. And nobody will really know except you know maybe guys like Friedman or LeBron or you know they'll they'll find out before anybody else does. But like I was making the connections yesterday, Daniel Milstein, who is who is Kane's agent, does a lot of business with the, with the Leafs. He's mm-hmm. buddies with Wayne Simmons, uh, who they partnered together for this hockey diversity alliance. He had had the opportunity with, to play with Matthews or Tavares, and the Leafs desperately need help on the left side. The only good left winger that they've had consistently right now, Russ, is your friend Michael Bunting. So, I mean, they, you know, they can't replace him. So, why would they even look at Kane? Well, I, he's one guy, Russ. He can't play on both. What of do you mean he's one guy? He, come he's on, one guy. He can play on one line. He, he can't clone himself and play on two. So, so is he so, going to get 40 points, Mike? Yes. Yes, he is. He is. He's going to get 40. Yes. I, I mark it down. Can we mark that down? Can everyone in the audience mark that down? Write that one down. That's, yeah. an, M, that's an M5, Mike my, my okay. 5. Yes. No. All right. but, but uh, I mean, Joe, the, the thing that we have to worry about is there's all this interest in him. And I know there's interest because mm-hmm. they can get him in a league minimum deal. But we've been exposed to the Evander Kane experience. We remember him scoring, I think it was two goals or a hat trick uh, in a game on a Saturday afternoon. And then him going to the NBA All-Star game and missing practice. Yeah. You know, yeah. It's, it's just <laughs> took a private chopper to Toronto, across the lake to Toronto and stayed a little bit late and yeah, overslept for practice the next morning and put all of his exploits on Snapchat uh, in a Snapchat oh, yeah, story, which I was, well, yeah. And you know, the, the fun part was sitting at Sabres practice and watching that video on my phone and everybody's like, where's a Vander? And I just show it to everybody. I go, he's, he, he's, he's where he was. He's, he's, where he was. he's in a copter. Get the bottle. He's got the bottle of Louis 13 and he's pouring out shots for everybody. But you know, hey, good for him. I mean, it's, it's $3,500 a bottle. It's, it's it's good stuff, but Pass you know, it someday, someday that won't be good for him. But yeah, right. Well, it's probably not good for him now, but um, yeah, it's, yeah. but I, I will say, I will say on him though, if you don't have the proper vet room and a strong room, and I mean, a place with a presence where they're the boss, yeah, I don't. I don't know that Evander's the right guy to be bringing in there because that because right. he has a very dominating personality, and I you know that I mean you can take that to mean negative things, take it me like take it to be whatever you want. And, um, and but he's but he's a commanding presence, and he has a big influence on younger dudes because younger dudes see the flashy lifestyle, yeah. they see all that stuff, and they're like, wow, that's cool. And that's why Vegas sends sends like shot. You know, that's I mean, that, yeah, I think Vegas could be a disaster. I think Toronto could be a disaster. no. Toronto is a, okay. This this is the thing, Russ. I think all the teams that we mentioned, except maybe Minnesota, they don't really have a veteran a veteran core, a strong veteran core group. They have a lot of young guys. I think every one of those teams, Tampa, Toronto. 
Pittsburgh, Vegas. They all have a veteran core group that I think could withstand what Kane does. It's just a question of, you know, with Toronto, you know, Joe and I have been, been up in Toronto in terms of the media. They handle the media very well. There have been players there that, uh, you know, they, you know, they, they spoon feed them to the media. It's just, if you're going to do something uh, extracurricular, it's going to get out in Toronto. There will be questions about Kane to Sheldon Keefe every day if he's in Toronto. Every day. There's questions. But but Russ, there's questions. That wouldn't happen in every market. There's questions about Mitch Marner every day. Okay, but at least Mitch Marner, like, I want those questions because he's one of my core guys. I don't want questions every day for a guy that I brought in for two months. Well, if, it, and, yeah, if the, the questions around Martyr don't center around him being at being at the club, you know, right. being sure. spotted at the club late at and, night, or you know, this that or the other thing, you know. And that's and, and that's why, like, okay, if Kane goes anywhere, it's going to be you're going to have to be you're going to have to be you know cleaner than Caesar's wife because if you're not, they're just going to terminate your contract again. And it's like you you know you, you have to sing for your supper right now. And if he doesn't want to do that, then he's not going to get a job. But I think you know there, there will be teams out there. We know that every team is open to a reclamation project as long as they're cheap and there's no risk. So, I, no, I will. I will say Russ mentioned Pittsburgh, and yes. when the Sabers traded him, you know, a few years back, mm-hmm. Pittsburgh, you know, and talking with a Vander when, when that was going on. And I said, who have you heard that's, who have you heard that's interested? And he's like, well, my agent told me Pittsburgh was one of the teams. And I was like, well, that's a fascinating, fascinating place for him to go. They'll still be interested now for sure. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's a very curious spot, but you know, with Crosby there with Latang, with, you know, with all those guys in place, that's a, that's as good a place as any for a Vander to come in there and just be like, all right, I'm just here to play. I'm just here and to do Brian, my job. Brian Burke, Brian Burke is a general manager who has always taken second chances on players. Yeah. yeah. And I'll tell you this though, Kane in Pittsburgh. I don't know if you remember his, you know, Kane's past, uh, but he fought when he fought Matt cook years ago while he was oh, yeah. with, still with Atlanta fans in Pittsburgh have never treated a Vander Kane very well at all. So I would be <laughs> Vander, Vander never really thought treat, very highly of Pittsburgh. But they didn't either, treat so. Matt Cook very well at the end either. Well, like, I don't think yeah. he was their favorite guy after a while either. So well, it's, that was, that was for slightly different reasons. Yeah, he definitely <laughs> wasn't Eric Carlson's favorite player. I can say that. Yeah. Um, no, I even miss Matt Cook. Does anybody here miss Matt Cook? No, no, nope. no, no, not at all. Um, now, some off-the-ice news from the Detroit Red Wings, and we'll ask Kevin about this tomorrow. Um, Nicholas Lidstrom is announced as the VP of Hockey Operations. Russ, this doesn't sound like a like an ambassador's job. This sounds like he, he's going to be involved in, in hockey decisions alongside Iserman and Pat Verbeek and a number of other people they have there. Nobody gets to just show up at the office in Detroit just because you know Iserman. You don't. And so if Lidstrom's going to go there, he's going there to work. Like, there's no – Iserman doesn't do that. I've seen him and his crew, guys like Draper, actually out there scouting, working. They they have to work. And so Lidstrom was always that guy where you could make an argument they were better athletes than him in the league, but he was really smart. He knew exactly what to do at the position, and he knew exactly when to do it. And I do feel like when you spoke to him, and we've all interviewed him, He was always a very insightful guy. The hockey IQ was kind of off the charts. He was never too high or too low. He was that guy that was just deadpan in the middle all the time, never too excited, never too mad. And that's good as a coach. 
for guys like Cider, for the rest of that defense crew, for even younger forwards like Raymond, you know, who's already good defensively. He probably could chip in and help him a little bit even more. Just for that whole team, it's a big deal bringing in a big name like Nick Lidstrom. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, apparently Lidstrom's going to be starting off this position by doing his job from Sweden. Uh, which, you know, hey, listen, the Red, if the Red Wings don't have an office in Stockholm by now, I don't know they what should've. they're doing. They, they should have a wing of their Hall of the Team Hall of Fame there by yes. now. But uh, but yeah. I, 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 I can never say enough positive things about Nick Lidstrom. I, yeah, this is where the fanboy in me comes out, you know, being, yeah. being a Wings fan because Lidstrom is just one. Of, and, you know, I've like you guys, I've, I've gotten to interview him a couple of times and just just an unbelievable person just an you know just an incredible person and the the aura that that he carries is something that really resonates still with even the younger guys you know in the league now i remember darlene when he got to meet lidstrom i think it was his rookie season when they went to detroit and darlene the the photo of darlene with lidstrom darlene is just like eyes popping out of his head holy crap i'm meeting my idol this is amazing like that that kind of response to guys i mean we don't really see that happen now you know guys in the league now are are probably past the, the Gretzky age I mean Ovechkin when he was getting interviewed by Gretzky on TNT uh that first game like that was you know one of those first TNT games like that was that was really cool to see just that was because a big it was a, deal, yeah yeah because it's Ovi like being like wow holy crap Gretzky like this is this is amazing <laughs> but there aren't a lot of guys left around the league that either grew up watching him or even had a chance to play against him. Yeah, I don't know yeah, if Kaprizov would care about Gretzky, and it's not no. anything against him, but I don't think no. he would. No, he'd probably care about Ovechkin. Right, like, yeah, absolutely. But like that, but the, but like the guys that those players look up to, they're still in the league. Like they're, yeah. you know, they're not outside of the influence. They're competing against them. Lidstrom's the one guy where he's gotten beyond playing. You know, he played for a long time. Like Let's, let's face it, he, he played for a very long time. And the fact that you've got guys coming through him, I'm pretty sure Lucas Raymond got a chance to watch him play as like a five-year-old or something Definitely. like that. So, um, you know, like the those guys all know him. They all respect him. They all love him. Yep. I mean, he won him an Olympic gold in 06. So, you know, yeah. that's he's a big deal, man. Well, he was okay. He was an okay player. Oh, <laughs> I on that. He, was, he wasn't. He wasn't happy. Yeah, he was all right. The, the funny the funny thing and you know Joe you know this because you you're at the draft combine and Russ and I are at the draft combine when we ask these players like who they idolize they idolize somebody who's 22 or 20 like I'm sure yeah. if you go to the combine if the combine is there this June we'll ask a defenseman who their idol is and they'll say Kale McCarr who's 20 yeah, listen I'm hearing I'm hearing Austin Matthews now for forwards I know young players like it's crazy well no man <laughs> Matthew Nyes the Leafs' second-round pick. Yeah. He's from the Arizona area. His family yeah, yeah. I think, was from Slovakia, but they moved to Arizona. And he, you know, he practiced or skated with, with Matthews when he was like 15 or 16 years old. You know, his idol is Austin Matthews. Yeah, and he's I, only one of them. I've heard from a few others. I heard from him, but I heard from a few others. And yeah, you're right. I mean, that's that is the way it goes. I, but it's a positive for Detroit. I mean, they're getting better. They have. They're going to have another good pick this year. That stuff's not going to last forever. So the player development part of this is where Lidstrom is going to come in. No. I just I just can't wait for Moritz Sider to pick Lidstrom's brain because Sider's oh. already a very impressive player. Yeah. And if you know if Nick's giving him tips, man, oh man, no, I'm <laughs> just great. I'm just fast forwarding four years and thinking of Sider 
and Edvinson and Costa. Mm-hmm. And I mean, they're you know this team is gonna be is gonna be a juggernaut. But like Edvinson, he could talk to tomorrow. Like he can go to a game, talk to him right after the game now. Like that's a big deal. And he could just, you know, say, Hey, you know, we like you, we have interest in you. He'll talk to him. Yeah. He'll pick his brain. And that's by the way, that's part of the reason for this hiring. Don't kid yourself, because they're Kevin told us they're very high, you know, we're very high on them, and they want him to be in the in, in the NHL next year. And so better who better than Nick Lidstrom to kind of talk to you now and say, Well, what do you feel like you have to get better at? Here's what I saw. And you know, all of a sudden next year we'll be playing for him. Right. Um, Russ, I just I just saw this on the uh on the t- the Twitter ticker here. Uh, it, um Lucas Elvinus, who was a, pr- a prospect for Vegas. Um, he was put on waivers yesterday for purpose of terminating his contract, which would lead you to believe he's a Swede, would lead you to believe he's going back to the SHL. He was claimed by Anaheim today. So yeah, I'm going to say this about Vegas. They've lost a few prospects this way, and it's not a good look. Well, I mean, the thing is, the thing is, though, it's like, okay, if they're terminating his contract, and I would assume they're, they were terminating it because he said he was going to the SHL, did he just pull a fast one here? No, I don't think so. Maybe they said, listen, you're going to the AHL, and he was like, maybe I don't want to, and it's the oh. same situation as last time. Right, and then and so I mean, by Anaheim picking him up, that means he's on their twenty-three man roster, and they can or they can put. Well, I don't know, not text. It can't See, be it's one thing. This is the one thing I think McCrimmon's done a bad job with. I get it. Everybody should play in the AHL if they don't make it in the NHL if they're on your team. But the problem is when you've already played in a pro league, and if that guy feels like the league I played in was better than where you were sending me you're always going to get static from that player. Like, I don't want to go. And these are the kinds of players that have had this problem now. This is at least twice that we know of, and who knows who else may have said something, that it's become a thing. Now, sticking with Vegas, uh, Joe, the appearance of a guy named Eichel on the Ooh. Yeah, I, I don't know. I, mean, I, don't, I don't know much about this name. guy. But, I've heard. Yeah, um, but he – Popped on the ice in Vegas today, um, about two months after having the artificial disc replacement surgery, and the speculation is that maybe in a couple weeks he will be ready to come back. And I, I don't know who I think it was John Vogel that mentioned this was that February first the Buffalo Sabers visit Vegas. Mm-hmm. He's do you think he's put an X on his calendar for that one? A hundred percent. A hundred percent. That's the date he's got circled. He wants I think it's a horrible by. idea. I, I tend to agree with you there. Now, the the way I disagree is that Eichel's a freak physically. Like, he's no, no, just, I get that. But don't he, you feel like you're going to want to put him through some sort of medical testing to see how he's going to be when he has to start taking punishment? And if they're not going to do that, and they're just going to say. All right, Jack, you feel good? Okay, neck feels good? Okay, go out there. You don't know what he's going to be like a month later. Yeah, no, I – listen, I'm I'm 100% on board with that. Because you know there's meatheads in this league that are going to test him. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they're, guys are going to want to hit him all the time. Absolutely. The thing is, he doesn't really take big hits ever. He hasn't he's, before. We don't know what his elusiveness will be like right. now. Like, right. I'd like to but, say he's going to be the same player – but until I see it, how could I say that? 
I mean, yeah. the Zika's cross check was unusual in terms of, I mean, most of his injuries have been, you know, knee or high ankle sprain, not an upper body. And that was, that was the first real serious one. So I, I, I mean, I agree. I, I wouldn't, if I was him, I would like, I would make them skip that game. If I were honestly, if, if, if I had, if I were McCrimmon, I'd be like, Jack, I appreciate what you want to do here. This is a bad idea. But yeah, I think that's his target. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, I mean, it, listen, he's going to get a game against the Sabres this year one way or the other. If, if not yeah, but you don't want that to be the first one back. Also, in case he's not exactly great either, because then you'll have the whole Buffalo media writing, see, 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 see this, see, maybe he's not going to be so good. See, the Sabres did the right thing. You don't want any of that either. Well, why, be, why would, be, would Jack care what the Buffalo media yeah, says? Yeah, because everybody he never cares, cared before. You know yeah. that he cares. Every athlete cares. They can tell you they don't read anything. They can tell you that they don't hear anything, but they do. Russ, he'll be doing, he'll be doing the Buffalo media a favor because what you know, if that game is February first, I think it's the last game before the All Star break. Everybody will be on a on, the, on a Southwest direct flight to Vegas for that game, and then they'll stay over for the All Star game. So the, the Buffalo media is all on board. It's with a it. bad idea. I I. I don't think I. I believe he's he's gonna want that game. I believe he. Wants I know he's gonna want it, but guess what? You're now a member of this team. You're not in charge of your medical situation. You're not. We. Gave well, no, he actually freedom. trusts the Vegas team. So. <laughs> right. You know, we gave it's you different. the freedom to get your operation the way you wanted it, but now you're gonna have to listen to some reasoning here. Pretty sure Vegas is okay with the timing. Because I mean, here no, I mean, okay. this is too much. This is two months after surgeries on the ice. He's, okay. he's practicing. Let me, let me ask you this: Did you ever feel like Vegas was going to ever try and hold him back a little bit to be safer from the minute they got him? The answer is no. And this is and this is on the same timetable uh, as if the you know if you would have been part of Team USA going yes. to the Olympics, this is the same timetable because he would have been back before the Olympic break and had that been the case. You know, and the and NHL players had gone to the Olympics. Probably Team USA would have selected them, but that's you know that's not going to happen. I, I don't know, but the, but this time, like this time frame, they haven't shortened the time frame for him at all. Like this is this is a, you know right in the spot where you know we're talking what eight weeks? February February first would be two and a half months. He's at two months right now. Right, so he's he's eight weeks out from surgery. This is right in line with with the the projections of how long they said he'd be out for. Do to you me, think he's not skate. stepping on the gas for him. All right, hold on. Do you think at practice he's going to skate with a contact jersey on him for a week or two? Not for a week, at least. Like he's in, not, he's no, in no, non-contact right now. I don't mean not for a week. I mean for a week or two before he plays. Because that's what they do with normal players. Yeah. No, no. Like he'll absolutely practice with it when he's got the red jersey off. I, I like don't, he'll absolutely practice with that. I don't for think a while that. or just I, for one or two? I have a feeling it's going to be for one or two. Russ, I don't think he's going down to Henderson to play AHL games. No, he's not going to do that. I'm not expecting him to do that. But he also hasn't played in a really long time, Mike. Oh, I I, I know. He hasn't played since last April. So a long time. Yeah, I I agree. But I'm just saying most players, they would have you on with without the red jersey for probably three or four practices before you could get back in there. We even hear coaches say, I got to see him for a while in practice before I make a determination on when he's going to be in there. We're not going to hear this out of Vegas. That's the only thing that bothers me. I don't. Well, I, I listen. That's it. how that's how Vegas operates, though. I know. It's, 
you know, that's they said he's not going to talk. He's going to talk today, and he's not going to talk again until he plays. So that's a, it's a good way to keep things as quiet as humanly possible with that. But I mean, listen, he's he's been in North Carolina now for a month, two months, skating after you know skating and skating around Raleigh uh, after getting the operation. Like he's sure you know he's not showing up there. You know, twenty pounds overweight and no, like no, a bum. no, no. Like he's it's none of that. He's fresh you, and yeah. ready. But when you have to go game speed and guys are bringing down your neck and they're knocking your stick away and all those other things, these are things he's not simulating right now. Yeah. That's why he's skating with a red jersey on against them. Uh, <laughs> like, okay. that's why he's doing okay. it, Russ. Okay, he's Joe. getting that timing back. Well, hold on. So you've been in enough practices. I've been mm-hmm. in enough practices. And so is Mike. And you guys go to more practices than I do, to be fair. Mm-hmm. When you see the guy with the red jersey on, how hard do you think they're going at it and how much, I mean, it's always like half speed. Nobody touches them. The puck goes in the corner. They don't go near them, but they're scrimmaging. I think it's not that realistic. No, Russ, he's I think doing, he's doing non-contact drills, but he's still doing all the, all the practices, all the, all the systems, all that stuff. He's still right. like, that's, that's how you get your timing back. Then once the, once the red shirt comes off, then, then you can do all the full contact stuff. And that way you're up to speed with it. Right. Agreed. Um, looking at some of last night's games, and I just want to look at the, you know, the Eastern Conference here because we've been talking about this, Joe. Um, you know, when it comes to teams like the Islanders who are way out of it, or Philadelphia, we've been talking about Philadelphia and their issues lately. So Boston beats Washington last night handily, seven to three. Matt Grizzlick had five points. Boston has been rolling lately. Wait, hold on. Matt Grizzlick had five points. Yes, there were did. people telling me on this program when I was saying how good Grizzlick can be and could be on the power play and be a point guy, not that good. He was okay. Oh, it, wasn't, it wasn't me who said that. No, I know that. It wasn't it was it was in the <laughs> chat room. Yes. But I'm happy to see Matt Grizzlick do this because I did feel like he could do this. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He's I mean, I don't think he's as talented offensively as Tory Krug, but no. I think he's pretty decent. Um, but, but my point was, so Boston wins last night, they have 40 points. They're in the second wild card. They have 32 games. The Islanders have 28 and they're 14 points behind the break. Yeah, it's over. I break out my, I break out my sign right here, baby. It's over. <laughs> um, and I think, it's, and I think it's over. I think it's over for Philadelphia too, because, because mm-hmm. Boston has three games in hand on them. But Joe, what my my point is here, you've already got and we're 30, 32, 33, you know, up to 36 games into the regular season. You've got a massive divide in that in that Eastern Conference where you have the, this group of teams with 50 or 50 some odd points down to 40. And then the rest of the the rest of the conference is 33 or below. I mean, I don't know if there's I don't know if there's going to be a race in, a, in about a, in about three or four weeks. Yeah, it's I don't know that there's I think three three weeks might even be pushing it because, you know, I I think we're still waiting for things to kind of fall apart for Detroit at some point. You know, yeah. you know, Ned being out is not going to help them out. No. Um, like that's that's a big problem for them. Columbus. I don't know how the hell Columbus is even as close as they are. Yeah. Uh, even I though not, talk about two teams in a minute. Like, like, like they're seven. They're seven back of Boston. And they, you know, Boston's got what? Uh, Boston only has one game in hand on them. So, right, yeah. So, I mean, like, but still, you're seven points out. You know, everybody gets a point now. You know, nowadays, I don't, I don't see how anybody below anybody really below Detroit 
can get a can get a chance at at knocking in on Boston or Pittsburgh or whoever else ends up in that spot unless somebody the the wheels completely fall off of somebody and they have a, just an absolutely right disastrous second half but i i mean east looks pretty set as far as i'm concerned because everybody at the top is way out in front and anybody who's who might think they have a shot at it they better get really hot really fast or else it's it's good night yeah i mean i've been saying for a few weeks and so is mike it's one spot for four teams but i don't even know if the flyers even can be in that mix anymore just to be fair i do think with columbus because they have a good power play and because they do have line a who has clicked with voracek and they have been getting decent goaltending and they still have Lorensky, and they have cap space if boston were to sputter a little bit and they got hot they could make things interesting so i do think there's a chance and i think there's a minute chance a minute one for the devils because they have been scoring goals like jack hughes is really looking good they do have goaltending and again if Boston does go on a little lull, which they're going to, they're not a perfect team here. We know that they might have a little bit of a chance because those two are scoring. Those two are scoring goals. The Flyers aren't scoring goals. That's oh, what it, it's going to all be on Blackwood with New Jersey because now Bernier's out for the year. So, Correct. so that, that you know Blackwood's going to really have to step up and play. And you know, like like Randy in the chat said, you know Boston's getting Rask back. He. You know. They, they, he, uh, that they vacated the PTO that's in preparation for him signing an NHL deal. So, um, but uh, you know, goaltending hasn't been, you know, Swayman's played okay. And, uh, I thought, I thought, uh, Allmark was pretty good last night. So I, I don't think goaltending is, it's not like he has to be the savior coming back, Joe. He just has to be close to what Tuka Rask has been over the last few years. Yeah. It's, it's nice to have an insurance policy like Tuka Rask yeah. <laughs> to, to, to help things out because, uh, I, I, I'm, I believe that Boston really expected too much too quick of Jeremy Swayman. Yeah. Uh, you know, he got what, 10 games last year and they were like, okay, you're our backup. Let's go. Like, this is your job. Like, I don't know, man, like maybe it's having play a few more games than that. You know, that's giving more of a look to get a to get a taste. I get like, sometimes you just got to strike when the iron's hot with some of these guys, but goaltending's goaltending's voodoo. We can do that. But, uh, but when you got Tuca coming back, man, I mean, if Olmark slips up at all, or, you know, you know, I, I got to believe Swayman's going back to Providence, but, um, yeah. but I mean, if, you know, if Olmark slips up or gets cold, like Tuca's going to be right there. And if he's on top of his game, which I think we all have to expect that he's going to be at or close to that, unless, you know, this, this, you know, the surgery and everything, you know, for him on the off season really ruined things, but man, oh man. I mean, that's, that's such a bonus for Boston because you got, you know, you mentioned Jersey has goaltending issues now with Bernier out. Carolina's got some serious goaltending issues now that they're signing Jack LaFontaine out of college to, to try to play some games for him. I Anybody who puts a goalie on waivers now, is they might as well just pack their bags for Carolina these days. Right. <laughs> now, okay. One thing I did want to mention, Mike, because people were, were saying in the chat room, just because Hamilton was out with a broken jaw doesn't mean he's not going to play. He'll play with a cage at some point. Yeah, but it'd probably be three or four weeks before, yeah. you know. But they do have 10 guys on protocol, and apparently even Blackwood's um, test came back inconclusive. I got to imagine they got to halt that team for a little while. Yeah, and we saw, what was it, it was it Philadelphia, Carolina was canceled? Uh, because today? of the Philadelphia side, because they were missing uh, so many players. But here's the argument with this one, and I get it. At the time, I thought the Flyers game against the Penguins should have been – postponed but it was an espn game i'm going to just leave that hang in there okay so now they have 
one less or maybe two less players out, but probably a bunch of inconclusive tests and other things that aren't great. And so now this one gets postponed, but it's not an ESPN game. Mm -hmm. And if they would have halted it, then they probably wouldn't have whatever problem they have now, because again, I don't know how many players it is right this minute, because I think as of yesterday, it was like four or five. And so, yeah, I mean, it does make you wonder why that didn't happen. Are you saying that ESPN used their influence for us? Are you suggesting that? I am saying it because (laughs) they did have six players on protocol and three on IR back then. And now, okay, so Ristolainen just got added. I don't know what the amount is, but I'm going to say they have probably five out. Let's see, wait, four. So they have five or six out now. So, but they had more out then, but it was a nationally televised game. Yeah. Well, hasn't, I mean, hasn't this happened with some of the Canadian games though, where some of them are getting, getting bounced because of, because of the, uh, the capacity oh, reasons, then it, others are just def- being thrown on TV. It's def it's definitely, I mean, Toronto is playing one more home game the rest of January. The same thing for Montreal. They're, they're, they're vacating their home games because they, they're having no fans and they can't they can't afford to have no fans for those games so you're going to have a slew of home games for uh especially for montreal toronto will have i think four or five that they have to reschedule and it's all going to have to be in that three-week window during the olympics or well, let me ask you this though mike because again me to me they've already exceeded how many games could be in that three-week window to make up to me right um but if it's still bad in a month they are going to have to come up with a plan for the Canadian teams to play in the States and reverse the gate. Like that's the only way I see it happening. If it continues, if, if those, if those provincial governments don't yield, I mean that then you're right. But the thing is, I mean, right now, I, the, the assumption is, is that event, like by February, they'll start to take the restrictions off, you know, that they ride out the Omicron wave and yeah. that, you know, the, and, and, you know, there, the, you had, you have seen things start to sort of spike and things going downward in some areas that had it first. So we'll see now uh, Vepsis post uh, posted this, the thing that stands out to me here, you know, Bednar, Colorado, they're up there in the, in the central, you know, Brendan Moore is on top of the Metro. DeBoer with Vegas on top of the Pacific, and the game is in Vegas. Andrew Brunette gets it over Cassidy, over John Cooper, who's won two Stanley Cups, over Sheldon Keefe, an okay. interim coach. Yeah, and, I, I don't know. That's I, I, I almost get the feeling, Joe, that the others passed on it. It's like, no, thanks. Maybe. I listen. Could you blame them? No, <laughs> I, mean, no, not I couldn't at all. blame them either. I mean, we're gonna have enough players, you know, saying like, "Nah, I'm good." I mean, how many you know, people? Why, why can't how the coaches many players from Florida are there? I don't know. Well, yeah, I mean, that's... you know, Barkoff, Huberto, and Ekblad will be there. Remember, it's the divisional setup, so it's going to be, you know, there's going to be a limit, and I and I I do believe that each team has to be represented. So there will be mm-hmm. one Saber. There will be at least one. Ottawa Senator, one one Montreal Canadian, which will be and there'll be another day to argue about this. But Igor Shesterkin is not in the All Star game, which is just stupid. It's just stupid. Well, they haven't announced the rosters yet, have they? Somebody tweeted no. that he's not on there, so I don't know. Maybe he's not doesn't have the votes. Oh, maybe he doesn't. Maybe he's not on the ballot. I haven't even looked at the the All Star. I don't know if ballot. there is a ballot. Yeah, I can't. That, that would be weird. I can't imagine him not being one of the two goalies in the Metro. I mean, maybe Jari. The person who tweeted could be wrong, no question. Mm -hmm. Um, But 
I'd like to know because it, it would be interesting. Mm. Yeah. Um, so I mentioned the I mentioned the Olympics, and uh, the, it was reported yesterday that Bobby Ryan uh, has not been selected by Team USA. Now, it was assumed that he would be because he went over to Switzerland to sort of get back into uh, game, not game shape, but get up to speed. And now uh, it was reported uh, that he's not going to be uh, and not going to be on the team. And Joe, I look at like the things that we've heard from say Frank Cervalli and Chris Peters, they reported a number of players that team USA will have. And it looks like, I mean, they're taking a lot of college kids. It's going to be, and I think Canada is probably going to do, do that as well. They're, you know, they'll have their KHL guys. They'll have some guys on AHL contracts, but it's going to be mostly college guys. Yeah, I mean it's it's not surprising they're going to lean more on college guys because you want you want younger legs, you want you want more speed, you want more energy, you want all that stuff. But passing on a guy like Bobby Ryan, who's been to the Olympics before, makes no sense. A, I know. It's just it's it's I don't know. It just reeks of typical USA hockey nonsense, which sure. is how I can put a trademark on that on that phrase as far as I'm concerned because. It's just, I, I don't, and it, it makes no sense because he's been to the Olympics before. He's been a huge contributor for the United States, the Olympics before. Like he's, he's one of the guys who internationally speaking has always played exceptionally well for the U S so I, it blows my mind that they're just going to skip out on him because I, I don't know, maybe I listen, they, they played Brian Gianna back four years ago in 2018 and he was 40, 40 years old. No, 30, he was like 38, 38. Yeah. Cause I, I can do the math easy on that one because he's the same age I am. Um, so yeah, so he was 38 and you're just kind of like, all right, well, yeah, that makes sense. He's the one experience, super experienced guy you can bring there. Well, this time around you got Bobby Ryan, who's, who's been, you know, one of the top goal scorers, you know, in modern NHL. Like why, why wouldn't you want to bring him? That, that blows my mind. All right. I, I did get to the bottom of this. So, it was the writers at NHL.com picked the all-star rosters. Okay. And they don't have Shesterkin going um, from the Metro. They actually have Sorokin and it's Anderson. And it's like, okay, listen. No. I get that you have to have a player from every team. But this guy could win the Vezina. And you, yeah. guys, you guys didn't vote for him. Now, they said he got votes. He yeah. just didn't have enough votes. But – like, if you're if you're talking about the two best goaltenders in the division, you know we've talked about Jari and how well he's played. And Andrew, okay, Anderson's had a great start, but Shurkin, I mean, come on. Let's hope the real ballot doesn't turn out this way. But if it does, it would dumbfound me. But it's dumbfound to me that it's like that way on .com. To be honest. Yeah, well, I mean, I Sorokin's probably definitely going to be the Islanders' guy, though. I don't know. I don't yeah, see how you can pick anybody else. But Sorokin and Shesterkin should be their goalies. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Now, um, going back to the Olympics, and it's coincidental that you mentioned Gianta because the the Gianta of twenty twenty two for for Canada might be Eric Stahl because apparently Eric Stahl is going to be in the mix. Now, I haven't heard Patrick Marlowe's name, but that was I have also, not at all. Yeah, I, that was also reported because you know he's been in a couple Olympic games and that you know he played last year in the NHL, so you'd think he'd still be up to the speed of things. But Stahl apparently. Joe is looking basically like like Gianta go to the Olympics and then use it as a springboard to get an NHL contract. And this is the thing. You know, he played okay with Montreal. I think I thought he emptied his gas tank in the playoffs, but in Buffalo uh during the regular season and with Montreal during the during the end of the regular season, I thought he was terrible. Yeah, I I that's that to me is end of a career 
kind of way it goes. You know, that's the, you, you have, you're not always going to be on your a game, you know, night in night out when you're, when you've played that long and you've been around that long, uh, you know, and listen, the, the situation in Buffalo is messed up. Like I'm like, I don't know how much I can really hang, hang my, you know, hang any bad words on them about how it went in Buffalo because everybody suffered. Everybody wow. played poorly. Um, while, you know, while Ralph Kruger was still coaching, that, that was, I'll give him a pass there. And it's no surprise that he looked a lot better once he got to Montreal because duh, like why, yeah. why, why wouldn't he have looked better? But I mean, he never officially retired. He, you know, he's, he, I think his whole plan was just to kind of like take the time off, recharge, get ready, see where things go with the season and then, and play it by year from there. If he's, if he's ready to go and he wants to play for Canada, the Olympics, I'd say bring him because you're not going to find anybody better than him um to play up the middle unless it's unless you're grabbing you know one of these kids from michigan or minnesota or something but yeah well, i haven't um, heard johnson's ken johnson's name at all so yeah it's which is i don't know it's weird to me i think mel pearson i think mel pearson was just recently quoted saying you know hey if if they want to pick their guys to go to the olympics i'm urging them to go go play because yeah. you're not gonna have another better opportunity than this to play play the olympics uh, Russ, we'll bring that up tomorrow. I, okay. I just want to—I want to end it pretty soon here because uh, okay. the Eiffel press conference is going to start in a few minutes in Vegas. Um, but just one note here: uh, Tuka Rask, if it's official, one-year, one million-dollar contract with the Bruins. So after you know getting seven, seven over seven million on, on a long-term deal. You know, he gives he comes back at a at a reasonable rate, and you know that a lot gives him some flexibility going forward toward the deadline. So, hopefully, um, he's got at least one more Tuka smash in him. I like that; it always makes me smile. Okay, all right, uh, great show, guys. We'll be back tomorrow with another edition of the Hockey Buzzcast for Joe Yerden, for Russ Cohen, I'm Michael Agello. Thank you for watching, and remember, without the buzz, it's just hockey.